just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. It is Monday. We're starting out yet another week, and this one promises to be a busy one as well. Got a lot of stuff to talk about from over the weekend, but I'm looking forward to this week. We're getting that much closer to the midterms. Everybody's shaking and getting upset about that. We'll talk about that in a moment. But there's all kinds of other stories, other crazy shit that's going on. Now, as I told you, this particular podcast, I'm recording from Burlington, Vermont. Not Minnesota, not Savannah, but Burlington, Vermont. And we're here because my wife and I just wanted to go someplace we've never been before, and that happens to be Burlington, Vermont. And what better place to go in the fall than New England? And I have to say, Vermont is a beautiful state. We've only spent a little time in Burlington and a little time in Stowe, both beautiful little towns. Uh, There's a lot of similarities between Vermont and Minnesota. I think they're on a similar, or if not the exact same, parallel. So the climate is similar. Now, save for the beautiful mountains we have here in Vermont and and some other things, uh, a lot of the scenery is similar to Minnesota which is cool. It makes me feel at home. Uh, Beautiful colors here, as you would expect, but there's some beautiful colors back in Minnesota, too. So my wife and I are going to go out and explore Vermont a little bit. I think we're even going to uh, take a ferry across Lake Champlain and check out Lake Placid. That's a particular interest to my wife and I because uh, we had some friends that played on the uh, 1980 Olympic gold medal hockey team in Lake Placid. And uh, no reason in particular, just to go there, say we saw it, and I heard it's a pretty town as well, so we're going to check that out probably later today. Now to get started, we've got a number of emails, as we commonly do, and this first one comes from uh, Jennifer, and actually uh, I should have read it yesterday, and uh, I had a bunch of them, and I didn't put it up, so I apologize, Jennifer, so for the uh, late response. But her email goes like this, Mike, being the same age and married the same years, you are not old. You are only as old as you think you are, and I want you to know. You are nailing life. You are active with grandkids, intelligent, personable, and overall a good guy. (laughs) Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So stop saying you're old on your show. We love that you bring boomer times to current times, and age helps to make that happen. When you hit 80 to 90, we can discuss going back to saying you are old. Well, first of all, Jennifer, I'll tell you this. I've already got a woman of a similar age telling me what I should do. (laughs) I don't need another one, Jennifer. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. Well, kind of half kidding. I know what you're saying. I always make reference to my age and suggest that I'm old. And it's, it's a matter of what you're comparing it to. To my kids, I'm old. 
to my grandkids, I'm old. Part of it is just being self-deprecating, too. People really warm up to people that are self-deprecating, especially when you're as arrogant and as outgoing as I am. Occasionally, you got to throw that in there to uh, <laughs> get some deference. No, I understand what you're saying. And I, I actually don't feel old. At 62 years old, I don't really feel much different than when I was 30. I don't act much different than when I was 30. So I can relate to what you're saying. Whether I'll change my style or not, can't promise you because I don't really think much about it. I just say things and I just move on. I appreciate your comments, Jennifer. You're not old. Your husband's not old. I'm not old. My wife certainly isn't old. But comparatively, we are older than many. You know, I think one of the things I'm thinking about when we do this, I know a lot of people of my age, um, they aren't willing to do some of the things we are here on the Rational Boomer podcast, stand up and speak out. They think sometimes it's better just to keep your mouth closed. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to get myself in trouble. And clearly, <laughs> I'm not even fucking thinking about that. I don't care about uh, making myself look stupid or get myself in trouble. Uh, so maybe that's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to align myself with some of the regular folks that I normally deal with. But you're absolutely right. Um, age is a state of mind. I don't feel old. I'm not going to stop doing things because I'm older. Uh, but your point is well taken. All right. Now, the next one comes from Aaron, and I did a couple of uh, a couple of uh, emails from him earlier. He says, Mike, I particularly love Sunday's episode. You had some strong piss and vinegar to let out, and I thought it was well-organized and controlled take on everything. <laughs> well, thank you. I keep hearing people push McConnell's excuse that the GOP ha just has bad candidates this time around. All I can think is, oh, yeah, I wonder why that's yuck, 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 the whole debacle surrounding Mr. Sergeant Agent Officer Herschel's badge is completely wild to me, but the polls don't seem to be reflecting a gap between them like I'd expect. What do you think that is? My favorite quip to come out of this was AOC's tweet about, I cackled, it read, What in the party city is that? I couldn't have put it better myself. I'm leaving a link below to a TikTok that's nothing but solid, filthy names for Donnie Dipstick. I figured you'd get a kick out of some of them. My favorite is definitely Cheeto Tweetalini, the tiny-handed dictator, spelled D-I-C-K, and I definitely love to hear yours. Ha ha. Well, I've called him a number of things. Diaper Donnie dipshit. Uh, I, I don't go for the references to the colors or, 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 or the orangutans or all that. That's I leave that to other people. It's more derogatory terms in front of his name. I may be not as creative as some other people, um, but but stupid, corrupt, and criminal are the three words that seem to be the most descriptive of Donald Trump. So I, I, I tend to use those. I do appreciate the uh, the names that some of you folks come up with. I, I do get a laugh out of it because they are 
pretty creative. But I'm a goddamn journalist. I can't be fucking around like that. I'm kidding. I'm not a journalist. I'm strictly opinions here. I try to give the information and the facts, but I always give you my opinion. And as long as I'm giving you my opinion, not really a journalist. Now, if I was on Fox News, I'd tell you I was a journalist until I got sued. And then I would say, I'm not a journalist. I'm just an entertainer. I'm just telling you flat out. I'm a guy talking about the facts in the world and in the United States and giving you my opinion. Try to be as rational and uh, thoughtful as I can about what's actually going on. Instead of dealing with emotions and agendas and all that other shit, let's just talk about the fucking facts. I think that... um, Donnie um, has so many problems, and he's he's now becoming unhinged. He's going to start feeling some of those names, because now some of those names are going to come to him by way of Republicans. I think the Republicans are getting a little tired of him. He's really become an asset, or really become a liability as opposed to an asset, and I've told you that before. The more and more he becomes a liability, the less and less they'll back him up until the point where they will, for the most part, walk away from it. And as I've said, the midterms may be that turning point. He's endorsed a lot of people, and a lot of those people may not win their elections. And if they don't win their elections and the Republicans suffer for it, they aren't going to have a problem dropping Donnie Trump into the... uh, into the ditch. He won't fucking matter to them anymore. All right, this next one comes from Michael. He says, I know you and your clearly soon-to-be sainted wife are enjoying your anniversary. Happy anniversary, dude. Please watch 60 Minutes and respond next week about the story of Buka, Ukraine. Putin called out the limp dick cry of terrorism, and this news report is proof of war crimes tantamount to Hitler. Anyway, enjoy your anniversary and give that girl a wink. All right, thank you, Michael. I appreciate that immensely. And, I, you know, I don't think there's any question that there are some horrific war crimes being committed in Ukraine. Yes, the Ukrainians are pushing back. Yes, the Ukrainians are hitting back and doing some damage to Russia. But I remember hearing a story a while back about... Uh, Women and children being raped, tortured, and killed by the Russian military. That is fucking appalling. And that is unacceptable. And that is Vladimir Putin and the culture he created with his military. It's about winning at all cost. Cheating doesn't matter. That's a familiar... That's a familiar... um, Strategy, isn't it? In the previous email, I didn't answer this... Uh, They asked me what I thought the Republicans were doing and why they get away with things like Herschel Walker and the polls stay the same. Uh, I think with with the Republicans, it's the culture there, too. What 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 their intention is, is one thing to own the libs, to beat the libs. And they don't care what it takes to beat the libs even if it's cheating, even if it's criminal, even if it's corrupt. And the same applies to Vladimir Putin. It's about winning. And whatever it takes to win, too bad. Even if it's illegal. Now, the question is, 
when this is all over, will there be a tribunal at The Hague for these war crimes? There should be. But as we know, um, people in power in this country and in the world, for that matter, aren't often, often accountable for the horrific crimes they commit. I think in this case, it's going to be a little different with Vladimir Putin. Typically, you know, half the half the world will be on his side, half of them will be against, and nothing will happen. I think in this situation with Vladimir Putin, everybody's against him. Everybody knows the horrific crimes, and they're going to have to do something. That, of course, is if Vladimir Putin lasts to get to that point. I'm certain that in Russia right now, they're trying to come up with a way to get rid of this dipshit because he's costing this country immensely with all the sanctions. People on the streets, people at home, people that aren't in the military are suffering a lot. He's getting his young people, his military personnel killed for no fucking reason. This can't go on forever with Vladimir Putin. It's going to stop and it's probably going to stop in the relative near future. All right, the next one comes to us from Joshua. Mike, ah, Burlington. I visit often. One of the things I enjoy most about Burlington is that when I'm there, it's like a vacation, vacation from the Trumplefucks of the world. No offensive signage, no obnoxious red hats or attitudes, no negative vibes, just normal people existing peacefully in a fortunate and peaceful community. The way life should be. Enjoy Joshua. Now, Joshua, if you remember, he's been on the show a few times, and he's emailed a number of times, and he's in Canada. He's that young man in Canada that's very insightful and always puts on a good show when he's on the Rational Boomer podcast. And since Burlington is fairly close to Canada, I mean, I was just looking at it. If I wanted to drive to Montreal from here, it'd be like an hour and 10 minutes. That would be cool. I just don't know if I can get a rental car into Canada. And there's some other stuff we're going to see. I would like to go to Montreal, though. That's got to be an interesting city. The vast majority of people speak French. But I've heard that when an American goes there who doesn't speak French, and I can assure you I don't speak French, they give you a little shit. And you know how I well do how well I do with getting shit. I may not be safe over there, so and my wife will certainly not like the prospect of <clears throat> me getting into a discussion with somebody because I don't speak French. I don't know. I may be wrong about that. That's what people told me. I've never been to Montreal, been to Toronto. I've been to Winnipeg. I've been to a couple other smaller areas in Canada. Love Canada. The people in Canada are very nice. <clears throat> Actually, they're very similar to what I'm seeing here in Burlington. And Joshua is absolutely right. You don't see the Trump LaVox signs. My, my wife and I were walking into this uh, restaurant bar. It's like a sports bar. And as we're walking into it, my wife says, I wonder how many Trump LaFucks are going to be here. And I said, probably none. I mean, this is a very liberal area, very intelligent area. I mean, the University of Vermont's here. And so... Uh, I never expected to see any Trump LaFox. The only thing I saw were huge supporters of the Boston Red Sox and the New England Patriots. And there was one guy who was a New York Yankee fan, 
and in, and you would think he'd want to keep it on the DL. He didn't. He had the hat, the coat. His girlfriend had the uh, jersey on and all that stuff. But you know what? Even he didn't give get shit. And that's saying something because New York Yankee fans and Boston Red Sox fans don't like each other at all. Now, the other thing we know about Burlington, Vermont, is that it is the hometown a fan favorite, um, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. And when I got here, <laughs> when I got here, I thought, damn, you know, maybe I'll see Bernie Sanders. I mean, what's it take? <laughs> what's it take to get a U.S. senator to buy a brother a dinner? Now, I knew I would never talk to him, but then I find out the weirdest shit. And what are the odds of this? My wife was looking around, and she reads this article, and she finds out that we're in Burlington, Vermont. We know that. But guess where Bernie is? He's in fucking Minnesota, where I live, where I just came from. Uh, He's campaigning with Keith Ellison, who is the attorney general uh, in Minnesota and a former um, rep in the House of Representatives. So Bernie's in Minnesota. (laughs) And, and 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 I'm in his hometown. That's weird how that worked out. And I don't know Bernie, and I'm sure Bernie wouldn't talk to me even if he, even if he had the chance. But uh, I do. I'm impressed by him. I mean, he's a very sharp guy, and it's it's it's. He's got some great ideas. He goes way left. But sometimes I think we have to go way left to rectify this crazy right shit that we did. I always explain it to people. If you live in Minnesota or Vermont or any place that has snow and you're driving down the road and you lose control of your car and you're swerving way right, what do you do? Almost always you overcorrect to the left and you whip it to the left and then you go way left and then you go back way right and then you go back way left until you somehow can find the middle and straighten things out. I have a feeling that may be something that we end up having to do. I don't know. Maybe not. So Bernie's in Minnesota. I'm in Burlington, Vermont. Who would have fucking thought it? Now, at the beginning of the podcast, I said that uh, um, um, Donald Trump is becoming a little unhinged. The walls are closing in on him. A lot of shit is starting to fall on top of him. The writings on the wall. He is going to get indicted at some point. After the January 6th hearing, of course, he wrote a rambling, meandering, 14-page response that had nothing to do with him testifying. He didn't say he would testify. He didn't say anything about it. He was talking about Barack Obama. He was talking about George W. Bush. He was talking about anything he could pull out of his ass. And I wondered how long it would take for him to go full racist or full anti-Semitic or full misogynist. Well, yesterday was the day, one full day. Former President Donald Trump on Sunday said, now get this, he said this, American Jews don't appreciate him enough and that they need to get their act together and show show more gratitude for his past policies toward Israel before it's too late. (laughs) No president has done more for Israel than I have. 
Somewhat surprisingly, however, our wonderful evangelicals are far more appreciative of this than the people of the Jewish faith, especially those living in the U.S., he posted on his platform, Truce Social. Trump went on to say that his approval rating in Israel is the highest in the world and that he could easily be elected prime minister there. Well, why don't you head over there, Donnie? Why don't you prove us all wrong? Go to Israel and be voted Prime Minister of Israel. (laughs) He says, Jews have to get their act together and appreciate what they have in Israel before it's too late, he added. Now see what Donnie is doing there. He's losing friends by the handful. He's losing supporters every day. Now he's trying to shame people he perceived as support and try to shame them into start starting to react or whip things up. See, somehow he thinks that he can do to the Jewish people in Israel the same thing he does with his uh, dumb trump fuck base. Get them whipped up. Get them mad. You have to understand, Donnie. The people in Israel have their own fucking problems, and they know how stupid you are. They know how corrupt and criminal you are. They don't give a fuck about you. And in as far as you've done more for Israel than any other president, I doubt it. I mean, for Christ's sake, you're an anti-Semite. Do you think they enjoy that? His threat to Jewish Americans and his continued use of anti-Semitic dual loyalty trope fuels hatred against Jews. The Jewish Democratic Council of America fired back on Twitter. We will not be threatened by Donald Trump and Jewish Americans will reject GOP bigotry this November. I've said this before. All Donald Trump does is alienate more people. That's all the Republicans do. People always say that the Republicans will win the midterms and they're going to win the presidential election in 2024. But I always put this question to them. 2020, they lost the presidential election in a big way. They couldn't gain the majority in the House and they lost the majority in the Senate. So tell me what has happened between 2020 and now 2022 that would gain them more votes. Because they didn't win back then. Uh, You would have to presume there's something that would gain them more votes. But they go and overturn Roe v. Wade. They engage in voter suppression, white supremacy, racism. They marginalize LGBTQ. By overturning Roe v. Wade, they alienate 50% of the country at minimum, but we know 70% of the people support Roe v. Wade, so he's alienated 70% of the people just by virtue of being tied to the Republican Party. And now you think these guys are going to win? Come on. As I've told you before, Donald Trump is not going to even run for election for the presidency in 2024. Let's say he's even healthy enough. Let's say he's not in jail and has not been indicted. (laughs) And that's a big ask in both those situations. Donnie isn't a healthy man, physically or mentally. And he is more than likely going to be indicted. But let's just say all that never happens. 
do you think the Republicans are going to make you the candidate for the presidency in 2024? Absolutely not, especially if the midterms don't go well. You're supposed to be their savior. You're supposed to be the guy that gets them votes and money. But if in the midterms your efforts did nothing, you're of no value to them. You won't even be in the equation when it comes down to 2024. Oh, I guess he could run as an independent, but he got his ass beat by Joe Biden by 7 million votes, and he's only done things to make himself look worse. Diaper Donnie Trump isn't going to run for re-election. And even if he did, I would be overjoyed. I would love to hear that Donald Trump was running for president as a Republican in 2024. That's almost a guaranteed win for the Democrats. I know a lot of people worry about that. I just hope he doesn't run in 2024. Here's the deal. We should hope that he does because it'll make it that much easier in the presidential election, whether it be Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, um, Gavin, Gavin Newsom, whoever it is. They'll have no trouble beating Donald Trump. Anybody who goes up against Donald Trump in 2024, if by some magical event he runs in 2024, and guess what? I'm being proved right because some of his Republican cronies are saying the same thing. And we're going to talk about that later in the show. There's one guy out there that's very mad at Donald Trump. That is Roger Stone. We're seeing more and more footage from the documentary from that Danish crew. And this latest take from Roger Stone is absolutely precious. <laughs> Just wait. We'll talk about that. And, and uh, you won't be amazed by it because Roger Stone is a narcissistic, self-serving piece of shit, too. And if he doesn't get his way, well, then he's going to go after whoever it is, no matter if it's a Democrat or Donald Trump. And he was looking for a pardon. And you know what? Right about now, Rod Stone could use a pardon because he's a guy who's looking like he might end up in jail. So anyway, Donald Trump is becoming unhinged. He thinks that somehow by uh, insulting Jewish people in Israel, that that'll somehow help his cause, that somehow they will stand up and say, you're right, Don, you've done so much for us. Why don't you come over here and run for the position of the premier? At the very least, we'll fight for you here in Israel. Well, so the fuck what? First of all, they're never going to do it. There's nobody that really knows Donald Trump that likes him. Even the Republican Party, the people that support him, they don't like him. They don't think he's smart. They don't think he's um, honest or decent at all. All they say is that uh, if they hang with Donald Trump, they believe they will get votes and money. And as I've said, as long as they believe that, they will stand by him. The moment that isn't the case, they will abandon him quickly. And the unfortunate thing for them at this point is when they do finally decide to abandon him, they will quickly realize that they waited too long. It's one thing if you have a bad politician who makes some bad choices and you side with them and some of that stink gets on you. But... When you try to overthrow the government, 
When you steal top-secret documents, use it as leverage, try to bargain with the National Archives, and also likely turn over these documents to some of our adversarial countries or even our enemy countries. You'll quickly realize that people don't forgive that. Those are probably the most egregious crimes you can commit as a politician in this country. And you can say whatever you want to say. You can lie. You can cheat. You can steal. But you did what you did. The facts are the facts and the evidence is there. When these people finally walk away from Donald Trump, those that have stuck with him all this time, they're going to quickly find out that their careers are over. And they're going to whine and they're going to cry about it because the stink of Donald Trump will hang with them for the rest of their natural born lives. This is too big. This is too damaging. This is too serious to say, well, I didn't really like him, but I just thought I needed to do it. Sorry, that's not good enough. I've said it before about the people I know, whether they be friends or family. If at some point they come to me and say, you know, Mike, you were right, I was wrong, I apologize. Well, that's well and good. And I'll accept the apologize, apology, but I can't forget about it. You're trying to ruin this country. You're trying to overthrow the government, overturn an election, undermine democracy. I'm sorry, that's just too far. There is no going back from that. You can't just say, whoopsie, I didn't know any better, because you did know better. It was all about getting your little agenda, and you were willing to do whatever it took to get it. That's your fucking ego. That's your lack of intelligence and lack of foresight. You deserve what you get, and there's no coming back from this at all. We're not going to forgive you. We, well, we may forgive you, but we'll never forget, and you'll never be trusted again. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we will be right back. Now, as I've told you, it's not just the Democrats that are starting to think badly of Donald Trump, that are having problems with Donald Trump. In fact, it's some of his closest supporters and friends, people like, as I mentioned before, Roger Stone. Now, we've all seen a few cuts from this documentary that this Danish group did on Roger Stone for the last few years. And uh, there's a lot of telling information about this. It tells us a lot about Roger Stone, probably nothing that we didn't already know, that he's a narcissist, he's self-serving, he's a piece of shit, and he's a dangerous guy. And now one of the people that have to be concerned about the danger that is Roger Stone is Donald Trump even though he supported Donald Trump all the way up through January 6th. Now, Republican political operative Roger Stone is now seen in a new cut in this new documentary footage threatening to support Donald Trump's second impeachment and saying the former president would lose if he tried to run again in 2024. I'm done with this president, Trump's longest-serving political advisor says on a phone call in the clip, reportedly filmed on January 20th, 2021, after January 6th. I'm going to go public supporting impeachment. I have no choice. He has to go run again. You'll get your fucking brains beaten in, he adds. It's not clear who he was talking to, but uh, Roger was pissed off then. 
he was very pissed off. And uh, why? Because he needed a second pardon. Because he knew that sometime down the road, people would become hip to the things he did with regards to the insurrection. And just like magic, that's what's happening now. We're seeing video footage. We're seeing him with the likes of the Oath Keepers, the same people that are currently being tried and convicted of seditious conspiracy. Well, that's a real problem for Roger Stone because in order to have a conspiracy, you need multiple conspirators, and he is a likely candidate as a conspirator. Now, Trump was impeached for the second time on January 13th, 2021 for inciting the riot on his U.S. on the U.S. Capitol. His Senate trial, which ultimately acquitted him, began the following month. But Roger Stone was one pissed off cowboy. You would think if a president pardons him once, gets him out of a four year term in prison, a four year stint in a penitentiary, you would think he would be grateful of that, but not Roger Stone. Roger Stone's all about himself. I've talked about Roger Stone with Ed before, and the thing you have to understand about Roger Stone, he has been a dirtbag, a corrupt criminal for decades. He started his career helping Richard Nixon do his dirty tricks, and uh, he's been within the Republican Party all those years helping other people commit these quote-unquote dirty tricks. And I think that's a misnomer. Some of these have been really horrific tricks, not just dirty tricks, as if they're just little cute pranks. Roger Stone isn't about pranks. Roger Stone is about destroying people and winning at all cost. And that's what he's always done. But for that effort to win at all costs, to help these candidates cheat, well, then he expects them to do whatever he needs them to do. And in the case when he was going to prison for four years, he needed Donald Trump to pardon him. Well, as they started to close out the term and Joe Biden was going to take office, Roger Stone's not stupid, so he knew that there were some other things that he did that were illegal And he's going to need some help with that. He's going to need a pardon. But you know what? He didn't get one. And he kind of blamed Jared Kushner about this. You remember the other video footage that said, Jared Kushner has a 70 IQ. (laughs) And Ivanka is abortionist bitch. I don't know what that means. But apparently Roger Stone does. And Roger Stone is madder than a wet hen. I love... I love watching these. There's some videos out there about him doing a deposition and the lawyer pressing him, and he's not happy about it. This guy gets this look on his face when he's angry. He talks real fast. He says, you have no proof. Prove. He just keeps talking over everybody. And, of course, that's the main strategy of most Republican fucks. But you can see him bare his teeth as if he's an animal. You have to wonder if this guy isn't possessed by a a fucking demon or something. Because he's that evil looking when he does it. But you can see that he's nervous and you can see that he's concerned. And I'm guessing he's getting a lot of that these days. 
everybody's getting too close to the real facts on this January 6th insurrection. He said he wasn't there. He said he had nothing to do with it. But now we see video that he was standing side by side, working with and helping the Oath Keepers, who were one of the main factors in the effort to overthrow the government. That's why they're being tried for seditious conspiracy. So he can say whatever he wants, but the facts are, and the truth is, and the video shows, that he was right in the middle of it, just like Jenny Thomas, just like some of the sitting members of Congress. Roger Stone is going to get his, but he may not get it till after the um, the election, much like the sitting members of Congress. I think Merrick Garland is being pretty cautious about that, giving the inference that he was trying to impact the election. I think he's probably being too cautious. I mean, when it comes to the idea of overthrowing this government or Donald Trump disseminating top-secret documents to our enemies, do you really want to worry about political appearances? These are some pretty important issues. These are some things that need to be addressed right now. So I think Merrick, I understand why he's doing it. And, you know, he's a much smarter man than I am. He's the attorney general and I'm doing a fucking podcast. So I can't claim to know better than Merrick Garland. I do not. He's actually handled it pretty well. Nobody likes the slowness of this process. But if there is a necessity to do that, well, then Merrick Garland would know that. And those of us that say otherwise don't know fuck all. We have to address that. Now, Donald Trump has another problem. We know that Donald Trump uh, really has an issue with paying lawyers and paying back loans. There is not one bank in this country, even prior to all this other shit, that would loan him money. They just wouldn't loan him money. They have loaned him money in the past, and they haven't got their money back. He filed bankruptcy six times. He kept the money. Each of these banks and all the vendors and such got burned. Nobody's going to wade back into that and and willfully do it again. Burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. Now that is a Herb Brooks reference. <laughs> Since I may be going to Lake Placid tomorrow or whatever. You know what the best Herb Brooks reference is that I've ever heard? Now, you have to understand, back in 1979, I was a young man. I was 19 years old. I was working at a radio station that covered the Gopher hockey team. Now, this was the year they won the national championship, the year before the 1980 Olympics. Now, I had some close friends on that team, and because of those close friends, I got to know pretty much everybody on the team. I was at every game because I was covering it for the radio station, hanging out with my buddies, partying with the, the hockey players and all that stuff. And it was a funny thing. You know, for as much success as uh, Herb Brooks had with these kids, um, the general attitude is nobody liked him. Nobody. I mean, because he was just kind of crazed. He was an asshole. He worked their asses to the bone, as we know. I think maybe in retrospect, if you talk to them now, and I've talked to some of my friends, they'd say, well, I didn't like the way he did things, but I respect what he did. And obviously he had success, so you got to give him credit for that. But Herb Brooks had a saying 
that you didn't hear in the press much because it really wasn't appropriate for the press. But I remember hearing him say it when he was running uh, the team through the drills in 1979 prior to them winning the national tournament. And there was one of the guys, I don't know if it was Strobel or Robbie McClanahan or Joe Baker or one of those guys that was out there. And this guy was fumbling around in a drill. And Herb Brooks, and I heard this, it was the first time I ever heard this. I'm sure he didn't make it up, but it was the first time a 19-year-old had ever heard this. I just laughed my ass off. He yelled at the guy, whoever it was, and he says, You got to get your head straight, motherfucker. You look like a monkey fucking a football out there. (laughs) I go, that's perfect. And I have to say, I did steal it for a number of years. I've used it. Now, I could never use it with my gopher friends because they would have known where I got it. But those people that weren't gophers, oh, they thought I was fucking hilarious. That is a great line. And that's a typical line from Herb Brooks. You know, you watch Miracle and you heard that big speech, that big profound speech. I asked uh, my friend one time, I said, did he really give that speech? He said, no, he didn't give that speech. He said all the things in that speech but they were at different times. What they did is they pulled all this stuff together and created one major speech for the movie. And it's a very pivotal point in the movie. They're just getting ready to beat the Russians. Herb Brooks is trying to inspire them, and he did. Actually, what Herb Brooks did was <laughs> was gave them a common enemy, which was him. And that's what brought the team together. He was a smart, psychological guy. I think he... I think he uh, I think he majored in psychology in college. One other quote about Herb Brooks. I'm really off track here, but I'll give that to you. Give you an idea how tough his dad was. Now, in 1960, the last time prior to 80 that the uh, Americans won the gold medal in the Olympics, 1960, that was the year I was born. Now, Herb Brooks was on that team, except he was the last guy that got cut. So he didn't play in the Olympics. He coached the Olympics 20 years later in 80, but he didn't play in the 1960 Olympics because he got cut. He was the last guy cut. And the story goes that he was sitting on his couch with his dad watching the Olympic team play instead of being there. And they watched... Uh, <laughs> they, they, he and his dad watched the championship game when they won the gold medal. And the moment after they won the gold medal, obviously Herb Brooks is a little downtrodden because he wished he'd been there. His dad looks over at Herb Brooks and says, well, apparently they cut the right guy. (laughs) Nothing like support from good old dad. Anyway, I got way off track there. Let's get back to the business at hand. I'm talking about Deutsche Bank is the only place that would would give Donald Trump money. Nobody in this country would allow Donald Trump to take a loan because he doesn't pay his bills. Now the question would be would would be would, why why would Deutsche Bank borrow him money if they know all this other stuff and all the American banks wouldn't loan him money? Why would they do that? And I've always supposed to uh, have an explanation for that. They're a bank like any other bank. They're a little more corrupt than other banks. They've been known for 
uh, laundering money and such. But I don't think Deutsche Bank gave them their money. I think they got money from another source, kind of washed it, and then got it to Donald Trump. And that one group of people that Deutsche Bank is known for laundering money for is Russia. And then all of a sudden it makes sense. Russia wants to control Donald Trump. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows where the money's coming from. He's in on the scam. They send it to the bank. The bank sends it to Donald Trump. It all looks legit. But Donald Trump knows he has Russia to thank for it. And that's why he's obliged to Vladimir Putin in Russia. They basically subsidize his old life for the last 25, 30 years. He knows it. Vlad Putin knows it. Everybody knows it. Deutsche Bank knows it. But here's the interesting thing. Deutsche Bank has always been willing to work with them. Well, now Donald Trump's businesses have filed for bankruptcy six times, as I said, for five different companies. He has a reputation of not paying uh, the Trump organization right now is under investigation and going on trial. The entire organization has uh, been indicted. And uh, if that turns out to be a conviction, remember, Weisselberg is going to testify against the company. If that indictment turns into a conviction, well, the Trump organization is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. But if that doesn't work, of course, we've got Letitia James doing her civil lawsuit and referring criminal charges to the Southern District of New York. So the likelihood of Donald Trump's organization being around three years from now, two years from now, are pretty slim. But Business Insider caught the information in Attorney General Letitia James' case Against the Trump Organization, she is accused of artificially inflating assets to qualify for bank loans and then deflating them to qualify for tax breaks. While Deutsche Bank has been Trump's lender for the past 10 years, it appears now they're breaking up. Apparently, Deutsche Bank has had enough. Since Trump left office last year, the Frankfurt-based international bank, which has lent Trump far more than any other financial institution, has been steadily enforcing a managed exit. They're trying to break away from Donald Trump. Now, it's been a very lucrative relationship for them because Russia gives them money. They take a cut. They give Donald Trump money. They take a cut. And this relationship has gone back uh, since the 90s. Now, Trump used the bank for his Washington, D.C. hotel just recently, which ultimately he sold, zeroing out the loan. Now, you would think if you paid a loan off like that, they'd be anxious to give him another loan. No, no, no. He's too much in a fucked up situation. His company may not exist. You don't give a loan to a company that may be gone in a year. Now, after James announced her charges against Trump, he took to Fox host Sean Hannity to explain away the accusations as nothing. He goes on to say, by the way, I paid them back. said, the banks made a lot of money. She's trying to defend banks that got paid off. Yeah. Now, it's true that Trump ultimately paid them off, but it's not true that James is acting only on be, on their behalf. In fact, she's also acting on behalf of the state and local governments. That's really who she's going after him about. 
But this is what we said, you know, the moment we heard that Trump's organization was indicted, that tells us that all bets are off. Nobody's going to go into business with Donald Trump if his company is waiting on an indictment, is going to go on trial and probably going to lose. Anybody that would have money or would want to invest in Donald Trump would never do that because it's a sure way to lose the money. It's not even a worry that Donald Trump will file bankruptcy. The whole fucking company will go to shit and their money will be lost. So they aren't going to do it. So the one source that Donald Trump had for money for loans appears to be drying up. And that will be another step closer to pretty much destroying Donald Trump's um, business. You can't do business if you don't have money. You think you're going to get more from the Russians? No. You're of no value to the Russians anymore other than the documents you might be giving them to try to pay off your fucking debt. And that would explain why he's kind of courting the Saudi Arabians too. He's got to get somebody to grift the money from. And Saudi Arabia seems like the likely prospect. They're a smaller, weaker country, but they're very, very wealthy. They can hand uh, Jared Kushner $2 billion for fucking nothing. And that's exactly what they did. But if you think Donald Trump wasn't involved in that deal, you're mistaken. Now, it was never reported that he was going to get any of that money. But are you really think about that? You think Donald Trump is going to be the president of the United States and let his weak-ass son-in-law get all the money and he gets nothing? Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case at all. There's some kind of grift, some kind of scam going on, some kind of quid pro quo that he's trying to hide. And I'll tell you what, enough people are looking at that $2 billion they handed to Jared Kushner to manage which is ironic because he has no experience managing any kind of money, let alone $2 billion. There's something fishy going on there. They're going to dig that out with the rest of the stuff, and it's going to lead back to Donald Trump without question. Now, I talked about debate season. We had Herschel Walker and Warnock. Um... We had the one previous to that. And then the one that I was waiting for was the one that happened yesterday. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Marcus Flowers for the House seat in, I think it's northeastern Georgia. Now, what Marjorie Taylor Greene pretty much did is wind through her lone election debate and mean-girled her way through her Democratic opponent by commenting on his hats. Yeah, she commented on his hats. He wears cowboy hats, but he don't own any cows or horses. Oh, that's a good comeback, Marge. Green also took a page from Donald Trump's book on narcissism, projection, and martyr syndrome, trying to cast herself as a victim of the January 6th attack on the Capitol, despite supporting the aims of the rioters that day and being at a planned meeting at the White House. Now, see, this is what, what, she's tr- what she's trying to say here. Oh, I had nothing to do with that. I was only on the job for three or four days at that point. I had nothing to do with it. But, of course, there's some video footage of her coming out of the Capitol saying, we had a good meeting. 
uh, on our strategies to push back against this stolen election. Well, Margie, what, what kind of strategies were those? Who did you meet with? Was it Jenny Thomas? Jim Jordan? Mark Meadows? Donald Trump? Secret Service? FBI? Who was it you met with? Marjorie Taylor Greene has got to be the top three dumbest people in the Republican Party. And that's that's pretty tough. I mean, you got Donald Trump, you got Herschel Walker, you got Lauren Boebert, you got some of these clowns. She's got to be in the top three, though. She is dumb as a box of rocks. There ain't no question about it. Now, here's a story about Warnock, Raphael Warnock, and uh, Herschel Walker. Now, we know that that debate with Warnock and Herschel Walker didn't go real well. You know, he had the badge and found the cure for diabetes and all that shit. But apparently they were going to get together yesterday, too. At least that's the impression I'm getting. Senator Raphael Warnock took a shot at Republican challenger Herschel Walker for skipping the Atlanta Press Club debate yesterday. Warnock was in- introduced along with Libertarian candidate Chase Oliver, while Walker was represented by an empty lectern. That last debate went so badly that uh, Herschel decided not to show up, and that was probably a good move. How, whatever bad press he's going to get from not showing up isn't half as bad <laughs> as the press he'll get for some of the crazy bullshit he he will say, undoubtedly. Now, Warnock said, I think it's important to point out that my opponent, Herschel Walker, is not here, Warnock said at the outset of the debate, and I think that half of being a senator is showing up. That's half of life, and I've shown up for the people for Georgia time and time again. And he's right. Showing up is part of the deal. I mean, if you're going to represent constituents, you got to fucking show up now and again. You know who else doesn't show up? Marco Rubio. He's got the poorest attendance record in, in, in the Senate, in all of the Senate. If, 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 if there's anybody that just doesn't show up and do the job, well, it's Marco Rubio. But apparently... Herschel Walker is taking a page from Marco Rubio's playbook. He didn't show up. Sadly, I think that was wise for Herschel Walker. He shouldn't have shown up because uh, it wouldn't have gone well for him. The first one was horrible. He was exposed for his ignorance, his hypocrisy, his stupidity. He just, he's a joke. You know, and somebody said something It could have been on TikTok. It could have been on the news. And I hadn't thought about it, really. But, and and maybe it's not my place to say it, because I'm a big, dumb white guy. Big, dumb, old white guy. Sorry, Jody. Um, But anyway, people are wondering, why are all these old white people supporting Herschel Walker? And that's a good question. Is it because he's a Republican and they just want to own the libtards? Well, that's probably part of it. But somebody pointed something else out, that Herschel Walker epitomizes all the racial stereotypes that white people have of people of color. 
And as long as they can push that narrative along, they'll vote for him, especially if it's in their best interest as far as maintaining control of the Senate. But you take a look at Herschel Walker. He's not very bright. He's not very articulate. He um, He's a deadbeat dad. He's abusive, all those things. And these are the stereotypes that the white people like to push on people of color. Well, it's not a fair representation. Herschel Walker doesn't represent the vast majority of people of color. In fact, he's quite the opposite. But the white people who are supporting him are glad to have it out there so that they can prove their point, if you will. Herschel Walker, as a human, is the worst of us. He does not represent people of color. He doesn't advocate for people of color, even though he is a person of color. I don't understand that. Well, I do understand it because of his narcissism, because of his ignorance. He will do absolutely anything for his own benefit. And that means walking over the top of his own people, people that are just like him. He doesn't care. He thinks he's special. He's got a few bucks, however he, however way he got that. But he doesn't care who he steps on, even if it's his own people. All right, the last story. Uh, and I talked about this before, but I think it's worth talking about again because I think this one is going to get Donald Trump in some fucking trouble. Not like he doesn't have enough trouble already. A co-founder of True Social's media parent company was forced off the board of the firm after he ignored demands by Donald Trump to give some of his stock to Melania Trump. And this comes from a whistleblower. Trump pushed for the giveaway to his wife, even though he had already been given 90% of the stock in the Trump Media and Technology Group in exchange for the use of his name and some other minor involvement, a former company executive, Will Wilkerson, told The Post. The company co-founder reportedly dodged the request, telling Trump that it would leave him with a tax bill he couldn't pay. Do whatever you need to do, Trump snapped back, according to Wilkerson. You see, that's the thing with Donald Trump, and that's the one person I don't like dealing with when when I was in business. If you're negotiating with somebody or doing a deal with somebody, there's always people you run across. They aren't happy with just getting their fair share and making sure everybody benefit, which is the smart way to do a deal because then you continue doing the deals. But if you get one guy that wants all the money and fuck everybody else, he might get all the money in that instance, but he'll never do a deal with those people again. And Donald Trump doesn't know that fucking rule. And clearly, in this case, that's exactly what he wanted to do. He's got 90% of the money, but he wants more stock for his wife so he can control everything. Which I find kind of strange because his company was supposed to merge with another bigger company to the tune of billions of dollars, but they're backing out of it because, well, true social sucks. Donald Trump's in trouble. His reputation goes south, which it has. Then all of a sudden, this investment is worth nothing. My question is, why would Donald Trump want more ownership of something that's taken a shit? I'll tell you why. Donald Trump's arrogant and he's stupid and he thinks he can pull this out of the fucking fire. He does. He can't. He won't. It won't happen. But in the process, Donald Trump has to do something 
certainly unethical, but probably illegal. And it's going to be one of the many things that people are investigating and going after him for. I don't expect you'll see Truth Social around for very long. They don't have the money. They don't have the support. They don't have the people using it. Now, I just heard something, and I haven't had a chance to dig this out and prove this. Maybe you folks can tell me this. But I saw somebody, it might have been, it was on TikTok, definitely on TikTok. And, you know, you got to take what you hear on TikTok with a grain of salt. And you've got you've to kind of understand who's delivering the message. And I don't remember who it was. But somebody on TikTok said that Donald Trump is now back on Twitter because of Elon Musk. And we've talked about Elon Musk. I don't know if he's back on Twitter. I need to check this out. But if he is, good. I think this is good. He should have never been taken off Twitter. He implicates himself every time he talks. He makes himself look stupid. The more he talks, the more he's going to hurt the Republican Party. So put that motherfucker back on Twitter. Let him gab away. Because he will do more damage to him and the Republican Party than the Democrats could ever do. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to the show as we record it from Burlington, Vermont. I'm going to be here till Thursday morning, I think. And I'll be back home on Friday and we'll do the uh, podcast the normal way back when we get to your Friday. But up until that point, you'll be hearing us, us, me, <laughs> from Burlington, Vermont. And I'll keep you apprised of the things I see in my perception of the city. But it is a beautiful city. It's smaller, but it's beautiful. Anyway, you have a great day, and we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.